Hey there, and welcome to season two of Navigating the Pandemic, the show that explores COVID-19 and how it impacts our daily lives. I'm Kat, a recent college graduate with a degree in anthropology and global health. This season is focused on the social determinants of health in COVID-19, and this episode is part two of a mini-series covering food insecurity and racial inequality during the pandemic. In the last episode, we discussed a peer-reviewed study addressing differences in food and security outcomes across racial ethnic minority groups in the United States. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Laurel Sims, the co-founder and CEO of finance and food access programs at the Urban Growers Collective in Chicago, Illinois. We'll be discussing how COVID-19 has impacted Black and Brown communities on the South and West sides of Chicago, and how the Urban Growers Collective has tackled pandemic food insecurity with emergency food relief programming. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Laurel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk about our work. Absolutely. So before we jump in, will you just share a little bit about yourself and your role at the Urban Growers Collective? Yeah, my name is Laurel Sims, and I am the co-founder and co-CEO of Urban Growers Collective. And um, I really started this journey years ago. It's been about 20 years um, doing the actual programming and farming. So I spent many years um, doing education programs with Growing Power and then running Growing Power's Urban Farms. And Erica Allen and I, who co-founded Urban Growers Collective, decided to do a spinoff of the work we were doing at Growing Power, but with definitely a focus more on healing and health, you know, to still grow an abundance of food um, on our eight urban farms in in the city, but also to really start looking and analyzing the different things we need in order to really truly heal. And I think to really be able to focus on just healthy outcomes. That's really what Urban Growers is about. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you for not just the overview, but for the work that you do and, and highlighting that, let me repeat, you have eight urban farms and this beautiful mission of working towards healthy outcomes in communities. On that note, the COVID-19 pandemic has really exacerbated existing disparities and providing vulnerable populations with healthy and fresh food is more important than ever. But food justice and systems and activism has really been at the forefront of your organization's agenda for a while now. What exactly is the Urban Growers Collective? And will you tell us more about the communities that you serve and why your work is so critical? Yeah, so Urban Growers Collective's really mission is to support health, economic development, healing, and creativity through urban agriculture. And, you know, as I said, we built, we've really built this on 20 years of experience of using urban farming as a footprint and um, really trying to shine a light on how all these facets work together from, you know, housing to food security to having employment. And so for us at Urban Growers Collective, we know we can't do it all, but we do want to be at the forefront of really trying to create systemic change. And a big piece of that is through job training. So we do job training at our urban farms for both adults and for high schoolers. We have about 180 high schoolers in our after school and summer program so that folks are really able to learn a skill, but also at the same time, learn about, you know, how to grow their own food, to be empowered with the choice of the fruits and vegetables that are part of their diet. And then to also really be able to walk away from farming, whether they move into any kind of role within the food system or without, um, with very hard skills for being able to be successful. 
The other piece that we do is really focusing on community engagement. So we have two community gardens where folks are able to grow their own food. We have about 50 um, different home gardeners in that program. And then we also do workshops from everything from medicinal herbs to how to grow your own mushrooms to how to build a hoop house in your backyard. So we're really trying to teach people how to grow their own food and to have that food stability within their own family unit. And then the last piece is our food access program, which the foundation is really built upon the Fresh Moves Mobile Market, which is a bus that we've taken and retrofitted into essentially a a mobile market on wheels. So it really began as a farmer's market where we would grow produce and then we'd supplement with some produce from local wholesalers. And now with a pandemic, it's really turned into like a small mini grocery store where we have soap and we have different kinds of staples like rice and legumes and and bread. And it's a way that we can meet folks where they're at. So the bus travels from different community site to community site. And we partner with schools, community centers, health centers, and we're able to have a consistent schedule where folks are able to shop weekly on the bus. It's really incredible to hear how your programming impacts pretty much every aspect of community members' lives. You're not just scraping the surface at one issue, but you really do have this holistic outreach. And as a reminder for listeners, the social determinants of health are the conditions and the environments where people are born, where they live, work, learn, play, age. And your programs really seem to address the majority, if not all of these factors. And healthy food systems, as we know, um, that support local access to food are really important for the health and the economic development of communities. So from the purview of the pandemic, how have communities of color really been affected in Chicago? And it sounds like you sort of talked about this in your last answer, but how has your organization and how have your programs really adapted to address some of the issues that COVID-19 is causing in in the communities that you serve? Well, it's certainly, um, the pandemic definitely made food security and and food apartheid um, worse. I mean, much, much worse. And it very much, I think, shined a light on the impact of divestment into communities. You know, we went from one in seven in Cook County being food insecure to one in four. And I think that folks who had never experienced food insecurity experienced it for the first time. Uh, The impact of that definitely made it a much more highlighted issue, which, you know, in some, in some extents is, is very good because, you know, I think as a society, we're really good at siloing all of these different social determinants, right? We look at housing or we look at green space or we look at healthy food access and all of those things are not seen holistically. And so for the first time, I think we really saw, especially with a pandemic, um, how important healthy food access and just overall immunity is for combating social ills, particularly different um, viruses and diseases that we can get through pandemics. And so I do think that it helped just to very much show the impact of why healthy food is important. Um, But, you know, we knew that beforehand too. There's a pretty famous study from the New York Times that showed the differences between folks who live in Inglewood and folks who live in Streeterville. You know, it's about six miles apart, but folks in Inglewood who are predominantly black live to be about 60 years old. Folks in Streeterville who are predominantly white live to be 90. And, you know, we see the impact of that through hospitalizations that are preventable, through diabetes and other chronic health conditions, especially with chronic health conditions. Folks in Inglewood are almost 
10 times more likely to have chronic disease. And so those are all things that we can help through social determinants and particularly food access. For us, how it changed, you know, how we really had to change with the pandemic was was quickly, you know, our mobile market shut down, farmers markets across the city shut down. And so the way that we were distributing food became very difficult. So initially in March of 2020, we started packing bags immediately and partnering with different organizations really all over um, the South Side. Traditionally with our Fresh Moves mobile market, we partner with 15 organizations and we really expanded to about 30 overnight. Folks were reaching out to us to get food um, to the different folks and different clients that they were working with. So we are kind of working all over the South and West side of Chicago and really trying to make as big an impact as we could as quickly as possible. So we started with about 300 bags that we were distributing weekly and that ballooned pretty quickly. Another way we decided to address it is, you know, very much part of our mission. We put collective in in our name um, very intentionally because we really like working with others and don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. So we pretty much immediately started working with folks who we were close with, which included Shy Fresh Kitchen and Cooperata Visionaries, um, which helped prepare hot meals. We started working with Midwest Foods, who's a wholesaler, so that we were able to get even more produce out than what we were um, growing at the time. Um, particularly in March in Chicago, and working with the Chicago Food Policy Council in order to really help us coordinate our efforts. So in the last two years, we've distributed about 44,000 packed produce boxes. Once we were able to welcome folks back onto the bus, we've given everybody a $10 voucher so that their few dollars can go a little bit further. So we've given away $173,000 in produce over the last two years. And then with our um, hot meal partners, for folks who have, you know, limited, um, limited housing, who have difficulty with cooking, so particularly seniors, um, we've provided hot meals with produce grown at our farm. And we've provided about 33,000 hot meals over the last two years. I'm going to respond to that incredible answer slowly but surely. I completely agree that it is very problematic and jarring that people who live in neighboring communities can have such vast differences in health outcomes. And on that note, it's really admirable how quickly and effectively the Urban Growers Collective responded to the pandemic and also partnered with existing organizations because it's so important to include entire communities of organizations and individuals to support addressing local issues. And I also think that these prepared meals are a great resource that a lot of organizations maybe wouldn't have the bandwidth or the know-how to provide, especially considering the restraints on your recipients and your communities who, like you said, maybe don't have access to kitchens because of their housing status, or maybe they don't have the time to cook. Um, And so really the fact that you both grow and distribute produce in communities in need is really incredible. And so will you talk about some more of the outcomes of this COVID-19 emergency relief program? Between the produce and the prepared meals, what kind of outcomes have you seen in your community? One of the outcomes that we saw pretty much immediately was a huge influx in folks who were coming out to the Fresh Moves bus and to our partner sites in order to pick up free produce. We definitely tripled our numbers pretty much overnight for the folks that we were serving. You know, within the first, I would say about five years of the program, four to five years, we had about 20,000 customers. And in the last year, we had 
about 27,000 customers. So just in one year, folks who were coming through to the bus um, in order to get produce and hot meals. We've seen a huge influx in seniors who have been coming out to the bus. Um, and I think we I think we've seen this for a couple different reasons. One is that you know, most elders are on um, limited incomes and produce is usually the last thing they buy because produce can spoil easily. And so having access to free produce means that they're definitely getting more fresh produce into their diets. We've also seen lots of families come out. So particularly families with small children who are looking for fresh fruits to be able to really supplement their diets and have had a lot of mothers and fathers be just so supportive of having, having our bus out to help address just, you know, those limited needs, especially folks of privilege who have a vehicle, who have access to money to be able to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. It's not often something they think about in terms of how difficult it is to get to a grocery store, especially if you're a parent of young children. It takes a lot of effort to take buses or a train to get to a grocery store and then carry all those bags back with your kids. It's really difficult for seniors to be able to do the same thing. And fresh produce is really a luxury, especially because it does go bad so quickly. And so, you know, knowing that your dollars are, are going to go further because you're getting a free voucher or because your SNAP benefits will be doubled, I think really offers folks um, the, the power to be able to choose the produce and the food that they're going to have within their diet, which, you know, that empowerment piece is really critical and something that we take really seriously because we know that. When you have limited dollars and your community has been divested, your, your choice has been drastically decreased. And so being able to have that choice really helps, I think, change the dynamic of how you relate to your diet. Yeah, I completely agree about the choice component and how you're truly empowering community members with this work. And there really are a lot of factors in food access that the average person doesn't really realize. Like you said, time constraints owning a vehicle, your age, your health status. And what really stood out to me earlier was the Cook County statistic that you shared that residents experiencing food insecurity jumped to one in seven people from one in four. And it's really clear how that translates into your organization tripling its number of customers. And especially, I think it's great that you're serving seniors and immunocompromised populations, because these are the people who don't just need access to food in general, but really fresh and healthy foods to supplement their diets. And yes, I'm just going to say that definitely with seniors um, in particular and folks who are immunocompromised, a huge reason why we went from just the farmer's market model of the bus to kind of a more uh, in-depth grocery store experiences because of that. We knew that folks didn't want to have to go to both a grocery store and to come to the farmer's market in order to, to just get their fruits and vegetables. So being able to have kind of a one-stop shop really allowed us to make a much bigger impact impact. We knew that our seniors didn't have to go to multiple places and risk being exposed to COVID during those outings. So that was a huge piece of how we really tried to troubleshoot and to improve our program during the pandemic. Definitely. Um, thank you for sharing that. And building on what you just said in our discussion of this one-stop shop grocery store experience, food justice is really communities exercising their right to grow and sell and eat and access healthy food and local agriculture should be a key component of the American food supply chain and food systems. But sadly, in a lot of places, we don't have Urban Growers Collective. This like isn't the case across the United States. 
but I was thinking that your organization might be setting a new precedent for this. And I was wondering if you'd be able to talk about the ways that your organization is paving the way for a more equitable food system in Chicago, not just as we continue to fight COVID-19, but as we move towards a post-pandemic future. Definitely. I think the number one thing that everyone will remember besides, you know, millions of people dying um, through the pandemic is the fact that, you know, when they went to the grocery store for the first time in many people's lives, they saw shelves that were completely empty. And that's a really scary prospect. You know, in Chicago, we have about two days of food if anything really terrible happens. And that is a totally unsustainable way to live. And so what we really advocate for at Urban Growers Collective is to create a a local food system and to really get as many folks growing both in their backyard, at community gardens, to help establish more urban farms so that if anything happens to us here in Chicago, we're able to provide for our neighbors and make sure that folks have enough food to be able to get through until we can get the larger food system back activated. And so for us, that's really just a huge piece of our mission is to just make sure that we are creating local food and that we are helping to support other growers and new growers like our incubator farmer program to be able to really help provide that regional food system. And then beyond that, to really help kind of expand how we look at regional food systems is um, we partnered with an organization called Green Era, which is actually building an anaerobic digester in Auburn Gresham that is partially community owned. So not only will they be able to create green energy, but they will also help sustain jobs in the Auburn Gresham community. And we're partnering with them to be able to build a seven acre urban farm and create a collective composting um, workers cooperative so that we're able to provide more soil, which is the key component to growing, but also completely lacking in Chicago just because of toxins in our soil from lead paint and demolition of buildings in the Chicago area makes growing food in Chicago and by itself traditionally pretty unsafe. So having access to local, relatively cheap compost is really the key to expanding the regional food system. And we're really trying to be at the forefront of that. Absolutely. And as you opened, so many Americans really were shell-shocked by this lack of access to healthy food that was caused by the pandemic. But now I think food access and supply is really on everyone's agenda because people who were previously very privileged for the first time experienced what food disruption is. And I love what you have to say about providing food for your neighborhoods, rekindling this sense of shared community and supporting health through local food, um, especially through your workers cooperative and all of these other incredible projects that your organization has going on. Healthy food really does lead to healthy communities and happy people and a healthier planet. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us about your organization and for interested listeners. I will provide links in the show description to the Urban Growers Collective, and I highly, highly recommend that you check out their website and learn more about the wonderful programs that they have going on. Thanks so much for having me. That was Laurel Sims from the Urban Growers Collective. I hope you guys found this mini-series on food insecurity in the United States interesting, 
and make sure to check out episode 9 for part 1 of the series. For anyone who wants to know more about global food insecurity, check out episode 2 of Navigating the Pandemic, where we focus on supply chain and global access to food across countries of different income levels. Before we end the show, I have a quick request for y'all. I love hosting this podcast and I manage every aspect of the show, so it's definitely a lot of work. And I'd really appreciate it if you consider nominating Navigating the Pandemic for Best Health Podcast in the Quill Podcast Awards. Check out the show description for voting information. And here's a quick shout out to the wonderful Navigating the Pandemic friends, listeners, and family of mine who've already voted. Thank you to Garrett, Twenge, Robin, Neha, Adam, Sergita, Sarah, Tate, my parents, Adithi, Destiny, and Aunt Melissa. So thank you again for listening, and whatever platform you use, turn on notifications for the podcast and share this episode with your peeps. As always, stay safe and stay well. All the best, 